guys, welcome back to Talking with TK. I'm your host Tristan Canal, episode 76, and we'll keep our Socceroos flavor. And we've got Massimo Luongo. If you're a Socceroos fan, you've seen a couple of friendlies just take place. Last Friday, we saw the Socceroos take on Norway, and unfortunately, they did go down 4 1 against the 57th ranked opponent. Much better performance today. They had a nil all draw with the 13th ranked Colombia. Obviously, Colombia, a very, very good team. They dominated the game, but there were some, some, you know, some highlights. The former Massimo Luongo in this game was incredible. Probably the best player on the pitch for the Socceroos. They're still really tampering with that 4-2-3-1 formation. They've got a new coach, Bert. Van Marwick, I hope I pronounced that correctly. We're currently ranked 39th in the world. Danny Volkovic had a pretty good game. He saved that penalty in the end, even though it was his fault for giving away the foul. But to go go out 0-0, it's uh, quite the pleasing result, especially heading into the next camp. I don't think they play another friendly at home. So I think to camp and a couple of friendlies away. So it'll be interesting to see how the boys really fare up for the World Cup. Anyway, today's episode is all about Massimo Luongo. Again, it's a it's a bit of a shorter interview. It's about I think it's about twenty minutes. So stay tuned for some short art, short sharp answers. But Massimo is quite the gentleman and a very good personality. So some great answers in there. Big shout out to QPR for setting out setting up the interview. It's really much appreciated. And if you are a big soccer Bruce fan, should have a couple more of the boys coming on. But there is any requests, please send them through at Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. Love for you to connect with me as well. You can find me at TalkingWithTK on my Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. It is Tristan now. Just remember, you can subscribe for free to the newsletter so you won't miss an episode. I'll send it out for you subscribers before I send it out to anyone else. Also, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, check out the online website, www. .talkingwithtk.com. There is a link for you to subscribe for free on there, or you can go to your regular places such as iTunes, Stitcher, and Overcast. And if you do have access to iTunes, please, if you could leave me a five-star review. If you haven't yet, I also had the skipper, Mele Yeninak, on the show earlier this week. So if you haven't listened yet, please go check out his episode. And if you can do me a massive favor, please share it with your family and friends. All right, guys, let's get straight into it, and I introduce star QPR and Socceroos midfielder Massimo Luongo. Mass, we'll get straight into it. Uh, what I want to ask you first is, I really love your, your social media because you share with everyone, you know, your little boy and your family and things like that. So my first question was, you know, just it looks like you're really loving fatherhood. So I was going to ask the impact that becoming a father has had on your life. Oh, <laughs> I didn't expect this one. Um, oh, it's been massive for me. Uh, oh, me and my wife, to be fair. Um, yeah, we've always wanted a child. We've always wanted. I think it was the next step in our in our life to do. But I didn't think it had as much of an impact that it has on me uh, off the pitch. Just. Um, yeah, just all you know, fatherhood. You always got to, you can't leave them alone for two seconds. You're always busy. You always got to entertain and stuff like that. But, um, but I love it. I'm one of them guys. I come home from training and I, I want to do something. You know, I'm, I'm always wanting to 
to get out. I can't just sit at home and do nothing. Um, so I'm, I'm always trying to keep busy and and pass the time. And, and now that I've got little boys, it's it's the best way best way to do it. Um, yeah. And and to be fair, on the pitch, I know he comes to every game, every home game. So I know he's watching, you know, in in the box. So it is quite nice, to, you know, to always wave and always see him, you know, in the windows and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So Matthew. Have a little bit more support now, so it's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying that. I love it. Uh, Mass, do you come from a big family? Uh, no, not so much. I've got my brother, my sister, my mum and dad in Australia, um, and we kind of don't really expand out, out of that. So it's kind of just a tight family. But we all kind of do our own thing, and it's quite laid back. I wouldn't say we're, you know, a family orientated type of family, but yeah, we, we do what we do. And, you know, I saw that you went to school at, at Waverley. Waverley's more yeah. kind of like a rugby school, yeah? How did you kind of get into soccer and even get good at soccer going to a school that was predominantly a footy school? Um, yeah, that was my dad. Because my dad's Italian. Yeah. He, he always pushed it, even when I was in primary school and when I was when I was young. He's always pushed me into football and trying to get me involved in that. Um to be fair, my brother went to that school. He, he, he played football as well, but he, it was just a good school to go to. Um, a lot of the boys I went to primary school with went to that school and, and it was around the local area and stuff. So we went to that one. But as a football player or soccer player, it was difficult, you know, in that era where rugby was rugby dominant. Anyone who played soccer or football was, you know, frowned upon and kind of like, you know, you dive and people kick you, you fall on the ground. It's it's, it's not for it's not a man's game, blah blah blah, blah all that stuff. But yeah. um, to be fair, the in my later years at that school, when the time where we first qualified for the World Cup, um, you know, the era of Harry Kules, Padukas, and Timmy Kay and stuff like that, that made it so much more popular. Um, so it, it, it got easier playing soccer in, in Waverley College. Yeah, Matthew, just because of just because of the success of the national team. You know that first time we qualified, I went to the game in two thousand and five, and I saw because I had Jackson Irvine on the show, and he told me about he went to the the game and he put that mad picture up after you guys qualified against uh, Honduras. Did you go to the game, or what did you do that year? Uh, I remember watching at home. I was at home with my mum and dad. Uh, my brother and sister didn't come to stay up to watch it. It was just us. Um, but yeah, I, I just stayed at home and watched it. But I remember, yeah, I remember the penalty and stuff, and you could hear yells and cheers from outside our apartment block. So it was quite, yeah. It was, obviously, the whole world sat down to watch it. So our whole country sat down to watch it. So it was quite a, a massive occasion. Yeah, was it one of those games where, because you were coming up as a rising footballer, was it? Did you just know in that moment that you wanted to become a professional player and play for the soccer room? simple and I'll just go in and play football for the rest of my life but from then on I realised it's bigger than just playing you know you can you can do something special with the game you can represent your country there's more to it than just having a career um, and obviously the way it changed the country it, just in my school the way it changed my school reflect on how it changed you know football all over the country and, and I think that was a bit of a big inspiration for me yeah, for sure. How did the actual move to Tottenham come about? Because you had to actually trial, right? Yeah. So I was in like a private academy 
with my so I was at Apia Lightcart and I went to St George and uh, the coach of St George had a, his own academy and there was boys everywhere maybe a small group of 12, 15 we, we put a team together and we had a few games in Holland, Belgium just to play against a few you know youth teams stuff like that yep. and then I did well you know, I got noticed by a few clubs and stuff um, I had a few trials and that that they wanted to be in Holland, Holland and Belgium. But he brought me to the science. And everyone's going home. No one had as much success as you did. But uh, he knew Tim Sherwood, who was the development coach at the time. Yeah, he um, so he was involved with the club at the time, and he said, "Yeah, bring him over." He heard that I had a few trials in, in Holland and Belgium, so he may as well have a look at me. And then literally had a two-week trial, and they offered me a, a contract. So it was. Simple, but it, it wasn't simple at the same time. Yeah, what were you back then? Were you, you know, at the moment you're a box to box midfielder. Was that a similar style that you played back then? No, I was, I was literally pure number ten. Um, <laughs> uh, not so much like a striker number ten, like a European number ten that just wanted to be on the ball and stuff. And the the, the reason the way I play now is because when I when I signed for Tottenham. Even when I was trialling, the, the, the standard was so high, the, the speed was so fast, like, I couldn't keep up. Every time I took more than two touches, I'd get closed down and tackled, I'd lose the ball. Yep. So for a long time, I'd just play one touch, i passed to the nearest person I could, and the only way I could get noticed was I'd just worked hard and i just smash people. And then initially they signed me as a holding midfielder. Um, and then as my career got on, I started playing first team here and there and stuff like that. I, they realised I could do a lot more than just sit and you know, pass sideways and tackle and stuff. So they, I slowly transitioned into a, you know, box to box. Yeah, Max. When you moved to to Swindon Town, you know, obviously you go from a team playing in the Premier League to a team then moving in Division One. What do you do in terms of controlling your ego? In terms of, you know, I'm sure that you would have wanted to be playing in the Premier League, but at the same time, you know, it's best interest of your career to go back down and actually play some football. How did you manage that sort of thing? Different teams and 
their path wasn't as straightforward as Hurricane was. And I looked at that as an example of what I had to do. Mm. Hey, Mas, what did you notice that, because Ange Postacoglu, he pretty much picked you out of Division 1, and then he's put you into a squad where he's made you part of the World Cup squad for 2014, but when did you actually notice, did you notice scouts at your games from the Socceroos before you actually made your debut? Was there any talk around you actually playing for the Socceroos? Uh, no, no, there wasn't anything. Um, all I heard, I think the owner of Swindon came up to me one game and just said, uh, or before the game, and said, oh, your Australian manager's here today to watch you. I was like, oh, okay. Because uh, I had no um, relationship with any of the Aussie teams or the setup. I was never involved. I sort of just cast it off. I said, oh, that's cool. Like, he's having a look at me. And, like, I didn't even play very well. I didn't play bad. It was <laughs> the windiest game ever. Like, the keeper was kicking it for a goal kick and you'll go out for a corner. It was that windy. Um, it's probably the worst game you probably could have watched. Yeah. Um, but apparently he liked what he saw. And um, I remember after the game thinking, oh, you know, if he doesn't pick me, I'm, I haven't been involved since. So, like, it's not going to phase me. And then, he, yeah, obviously he brought me to a camp and I got my debut in, uh, in England, which was convenient. Um, and, yeah, so I just took that chance. Very grateful that he, he took a punt on me because I think everyone sort of wrote me out, even of the World Cup squad. But, you know, there was a bit of luck. There was a few injuries and stuff, and I got into that squad without, um, yeah, without too much fuss. And then, obviously, the Asian Cup speaks for himself. Yeah, Mass, you know, obviously, you know, we haven't had the World Cup yet in 2018, but, you know, you're well entrenched in the team now, so... You know, touch wood, no injuries bearing. You should hopefully be in this squad going, going over to Russia. You know, when you first made your debut in 2014, you were a rookie in the team, so you didn't get to play. But this time it's going to be much, much different. What did you actually learn as a spectator and being part of the team back there in 14 that you think that you can use quite constructively going ahead in 18 now? Um, I think as a team, I think we need everyone in the team. I think in the 2014 World Cup, our depth wasn't what it is now. Uh, you know, we had to rely on the same players for the first and second game. Mm-hmm. And then Millsy got injured and Timmy got suspended for the third game. And then suddenly we had to change our whole sort of structure and our team a little bit. And against Spain, we looked a completely different team. We weren't as confident. And I think it was only 2-0, but it wasn't a game we were ever in. So... Going to this one, you look at our depth in our squad. Yeah, we might have our starting 11 for the first game. Whether the injuries or changes and stuff, it can still be strong and still, you know, get a result. And if we have to change in the third team, I still think, you know, a change in the formation or, or people coming in and out. Our depth is so strong now. That's what's needed for us to, you know, to do well in any tournament. The Asian Cup was a big one. You know, we, I probably wasn't expected to play the second game or the third game. We had Bresciano, we had yeah. um, Millsy on the bench. And just the fact that our depth is so strong, we still had them on the bench if we needed it. And I think that's a big thing going into any tournament. Yeah, for sure. Okay, final question, Matt. Just a QPR question. I saw that you actually took the armband for the first time this year. And congratulations to actually being the captain while the usual captain was out. But just a leadership cap- uh, question now. In terms of taking the armband, who has been kind of maybe a heavy influence in terms of leadership? And what's some of those traits that you might have taken from them and you like to maybe show to the young blokes in your, your team at QPR? Um, so, our captain here, 
GPI Netherman who I'm on his way sort of looked after me ever since I signed for the club. Uh, he is a big a big, you know, voice in the change room and, and amongst the coaches and stuff. So the way he goes on on and off the park is 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 the way kinda I can set an example as lead, as a leader. And he he wanted to give me the armband when he was out. Because, you know, he, he's not one of them players that shouts and screams and gets on people and he's quite a humble and quiet captain. But he leads by example. He just feels safe when he's playing. So he's, he's definitely a big influence as a leader. And if I didn't take anything from him, I'd, I'd take bits out of him and try to do that and try to replicate that. Um, another big one is obviously Yedinak. Because he's probably the opposite. He You know, he'll get on people, he'll... He'd be loud. He, you know, he's very vocal. He's, he's trying to pick the team up, not just by actions. Yes, he might do a big tackle or something like that. But you know, he's, he's, he's an enforcer, and the way he does it vocally and and, and his presence is, is also something I try to take bits out of and and try to recreate that as a leader. You know, I'm not the most vocal and loudest guy on the pitch, but I try and get on people. I try to keep a structure. I try, try to you know keep the game. Tight and, and, and order people around and stuff like that. Yeah, Mass sort of, I think I can get that from him. Mass be honest here, the game last week was cancelled. Was that the biggest disappointment, the fact that you didn't get to go head to head with Mille? <laughs> we would have got him in uh, a week now, so um, I am mean, looking forward to it, especially at Villa Park because I love, love playing there. Um, but uh, it was the worst day, it was so cold, it was snowy, we just lost two on the bounce. It, it's, it was a blessing in disguise, I think. <laughs> Going up there to play, to play, and knowing he's going to kick, you know, kick, kick me all, all, all game. Um, I'm happy just to postpone it after. Hopefully, a win on the weekend, and then we can play them, and we will have a bit of confidence at the time. I think, you know, we just come off a, a battering at home, and we lost a week before, so it was sort of a blessing in disguise. We we got to train on the pitch a little bit longer, and we ended up get, getting a draw on the weekend against a good derby side. So. I think next week's a better time to play them than at the time it was. Yeah, for sure. Well, Mass, I really appreciate you joining me on the podcast today. All the best of luck for the Socceroos friendlies coming up, and I hope you get picked for the World Cup coming up as well, my man. Thank you very much. Nice to see you, sir. And, guys, that was Massimo Luongo. Please give him a follow across his Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the channels. I think he's definitely going to be a key player heading into the next World Cup. His form at the Asian Cup was absolutely scintillating. So if you haven't ever checked out Massimo, please you know go on YouTube and check out his his YouTube stuff because uh, you know he really brings it. His form, like I did mention in the Columbia game, was probably best on park for us Socceroos. Showed some great touches with the ball in the second half. There was a little move that he put on the Colombians that nearly led to a goal. So definitely check out the highlights from the game and definitely check out more from Massimo Luongo. All right, guys, please connect with me. I'm at Talking with TK across my Facebook and Twitter. You'll find me at Tristan Nell on my Instagram, or you can email me any guest requests or suggestions for the show at Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. Subscribe to the free newsletter. There's no spam. Just receive new episodes, notifications, straight to your email before everyone else gets it. New to the show, please subscribe. You can do that all online at www.TalkingWithTK.com. There'll be a couple of links in there, or you can usually, if you've got an iPhone, the easiest way is your iTunes podcast app. It's also on Stitcher, Overcast, or wherever you can get your great podcasts. All right, next week, we're back to our normal long-style interviews. I've been very busy over the last few weeks, 
So next week will be Brett Kenny from the Parramatta Eels, an absolute legend. I've also recorded with Sydney Roosters, former legend Luke Rickardson, Joey Williams from the Bunnies, also doing some great things in mental health, former Wallaby Adrian Skeggs. This morning I just interviewed Paul the Hurricane Briggs. If you're a boxing fan, you don't want to miss that one. Briggs, he brings the stories. Also have a bit of an international flavor. Six times Mr. Olympia, Dorian Yates will be making an appearance, as well as the, the most recognizable lacrosse player in the world, an American, Paul Rabel. So don't miss a thing. Please help me out by sharing the show with your family and friends. I really appreciate you joining me today. And I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking with TK.